But the thing for this year is going to be build. And uh, being first to preach for the new year, I get all the choice of all the best scriptures. So, um, which is always nice. So, um, you may hear these scriptures again as we go through. There are a few in the Bible about building, as you probably know. Building the church, we're also, I think, just as importantly, is about building one another up as well. Uh, the key scripture for the day will be 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 to 22. But before we do that, we're going to go to uh, the book of Luke. And we'll read uh, Luke chapter 6, and beginning in verse 46. And it says here, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what it is like, who comes to me and hears my words, and puts them into practice. It is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it, because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Has anybody ever lived or bought a house that had poor foundations? Just me? Oh, a few, a few, one over there, one over there. There you go. Um... Years ago, when we first moved out of Birmingham, we moved over towards Oldbury. One or two of you may remember the house. It was spectacular, and it was so cheap. I couldn't believe why it was so cheap. I was to find out later. I mean, it was beautiful. It was like four or five bedrooms, three bathrooms, large living room lounge and dining. It was great. Huge kitchen. Sybil could, you know, needed roller skates in the kitchen. It was, it was, it was fine, and it was so cheap. I thought, this, we've arrived. We're going to live here forever. Well, we had a lovely ensuite bathroom. And then lying in bed one night, I heard this bang, clatter, crash, smash, went into the ensuite bathroom. The tiles in the shower were starting to fall off the wall. So the shower was full of tiles. Uh, that was one of the first things that started to happen. We had a gas fire that had been fitted illegally. I only found out later that blew up. With a bit of help from me. That's another story. But really it blew up partly, partly, because, partly because it was faulty. Uh, we had a, we had, they laid a new lawn that within three months was weeds. Because they hadn't got rid of the weeds under the lawn. So they just came up through the grass. Um, we had damp and mould in two bedrooms. So one, one bedroom just went wet and black with mould and green and that slimy. Uh, the electrics went crazy. You know, you'd flick, a, you'd flick the living room light on and the kitchen light would come on. And <laughs> a bulb would blow. And, and really, it, it, it was all about fact about the right foundation that we're going to build on. And without the right foundations, whatever you build, it's going to be shaky. Let's go to our key scripture now, which is 1 Corinthians. Come on, Rod. Okay. Make sure I've got it right. 1 Corinthians 3. And I'll begin in verse 1. Now, before I read this scripture, remember this is a letter to the church in Corinth. This isn't a rebuke for Birmingham. At the time that this was written, Corinth wasn't doing well. Okay, just so you all would think, oh no, what's wrong with... No, we're we're fine. Take out of it what applies, okay? 
but it, it, but there's, there's there's lessons for all of us, I believe. You know, we're all human beings. You know, we're just the same as the people in Corinth. Really, we're all sinners. Just that you know, we can make the right choices. Anyway, beginning verse one, brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food. For you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? What after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he nor plants, nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarding according to his own labour. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds, for, for no one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that yourselves are God's temple, and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of the world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about men. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God there's a lot in that that's a a great passage but the key to all of this really is about our faith in Jesus and and, and what we build on as our foundation and the foundations it's got to be on the scriptures and it's got to be on Jesus you know because the reality is hard times come to people you know again when you're a child you know you don't really understand these things but as you get older things happen you know you have broken relationships you you know maybe your parents divorce people die you know and we all go through these challenges and that's when our foundation really really gets tested you know I've known people over the years who I thought were strong Christians but fell away it happened in our own family you know Sybil's two sisters and my sister and our brother-in-law they were all part of the church once upon a time and it was sad to see you know for various reasons they went to ch- and chased the world you know my, my own sister who was a disciple for a, uh, about a year or so she was married to a non-Christian not only was he a non-Christian he was very anti-religious and it was always going to be a challenge for her because he was constantly negative about her faith and everything else and eventually it wore her down 
you know, and, and it was similar one of Sybil's sisters. She wanted a relationship and a child, and she didn't see opportunities for herself within the church. Chased after a relationship, had a, never married, but had a child. Left the church. Their dad split up. Been split up for a long time. <coughs> You know, and Sybil's uh, other sister and, uh, and our brother-in-law, you know, they, they were, got career motivated. The church came second. They were chasing money. They've been living in the Middle East, in Dubai, for the last four or five years now. And they're just moving on to greener pastures, as they see in Abu Dhabi. Making lots of money, but no longer disciples. And it's easy to be tempted away. It could be other trials, trials of loss. You know, losing family members. Sybil's been through it. You know, she's lost, she lost a mother and a brother. You know, I have my own challenges. You know, as you know, my parents are in care at the moment, both suffering with dementia. It's a, it, can be a, it can be a challenging time, and whether it's your children, whether it's work, and various circumstances. I try and think to myself, what would I find the most challenging? You know, would it be a bereavement, or would it be the children, or this, that, and the other? I mean, imagine if Sybil was to leave me. I know what you're thinking. Why would she go out for a beef burger when she's got a steak at home? But, but, it's hypothetical. It's, 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 it's hypothetical. But, but, the, but boy, what a challenge! That would that would be a challenge, you know. And you know, and it, you know, but maybe you know, if your children, are, you know, you see people that have children who are chronically ill. I mean, you know, uh, it, it, these things are a challenge. And if the foundations aren't right for us as individuals, as Christians, and as a church. You know, we, we, we'll struggle. You know, we have to be strong if we're going to build in 2019. You know, you, you know, God loves us and he knows what's best for us. And as he said, you know, you know, we can plant the seeds and we can water it, but we can't make it grow. That's God's job. You know, we have our job. God's got his job. But we have to stand firm on God's word. There are no shortcuts. There are no easy ways and easy fixes. You know, becoming his, his disciple is the most rewarding thing you can do. It's certainly not the easiest thing you can do. I found it very challenging. And there will always be challenges. <coughs> you know, it, it talks in uh, Acts 4.11 and 1 Peter 2.7 about Jesus being the cornerstone. And that's got to be the thing for us, that Jesus, Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith. Just flip quickly to if, if, well, you don't have to, Ephesians 2.19. I'll just read it very quickly. It's only a short one. It says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And him, in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. That's a great passage. You know, and we have to remember that. We have to be encouraged. We need to feel built up as well as we build the church. Why would anybody want to come to a church where nobody gets on and nobody likes each other? <laughs> you know, are, are we building correctly? I, I remember many, many years ago I heard a Christian once say, he said, you know, I don't like the Christians very much. Oh, wow. 
I was like, oh, I said, you, well, you know what, you're going to hate heaven, because it's full of them. <laughs> and they just sort of looked at me, and said, that was the end of the day time. But, <laughs> now, we, we're not always going to get along all the time, and we're going to have differences of opinion, but you can't just say, I hate the Christian, it's like saying, you know, it's like saying, I hate the villa. I mean, no one would say that, would they, Keith? Nobody could say that. No one. You know, these blanket statements, no, of course not. We all have our faults, we all have our qualities. You know, but, you know, the point that I want to make is, though, are we building one another up? God's, God tries to build, God's telling us here that, you know, and in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by spirit. You should feel super encouraged. You know, God, God's here. God, God's living with us. His spirit's among us now. But we have to build one another up as well. So easy to tear down. It's so easy to be critical. Oh, that person didn't do that. Oh, they could have been, oh, that could have been better. Oh, if they spoke a bit more nicely to me. It's so easy to do it that way. You know, rather than being forgiving. <coughs> Another scripture. 1 Thessalonians. This is quite a long one. 1 Thessalonians 5, beginning in verse 4. But you, brothers, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. thief. See, I had my nose fixed and then my mouth doesn't work. (laughs) Like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in highest regard, in love because their work because of their work, live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire, do not treat prophecies with contempt, test everything, hold on to what is good, avoid every kind of evil. May God himself and the God of peace sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I charge you before for the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you you know we need to be more encouraging you know I think you know he talks about those who work hard I think the song leaders the setup teams kingdom kids coordinators family group leaders those who volunteer and help with functions the the technical people the people who just keep in touch by email and text on the phone thank you you know, I'm always getting the phone ding, you know, the North Brothers, psychopaths, they're never off the phone. They're never off the phone. 
I didn't respond because of God. <laughs> my phone's continually pinging. Little encouragements from the guys in the north. You know, I, I don't even meet with the guys in the north. But, it's, but I, I see it and I'm like, wow, you know, Keith's got this going on and Brian's this. Go-. It's fantastic. You know, all these things. Let's build one another up and appreciate what we have. I'm sorry if I missed you out with the list. It's such a long list. But those of you who have missed out, thank you as well. And even says here, it talks about, you know, warn the idle and the disruptive. But it tells us to be patient as well. Not about being harsh with people. You know, there's been times I've been idle. You know, there's been times I've, oh, I can't be bothered. You know, somebody came up and got me, I I wouldn't have appreciated it. But I do appreciate it when people straighten me out. I really do. And I've been fortunate. I've had plenty of people quick straighten me out. Um, Many years ago. Uh, if Sid and I were having a big falling out, uh, we don't, we're getting better, you know, but we were young, you know. Um, you know, and it was, when it was 100% Sybil's fault. No, no, I'm serious. And, you know, we were at an impasse and a standoff, and I was convinced it was Sybil's fault. 100%. And my then disciple was Walter Evans, who's uh, an elder in Philadelphia. And I, I go over uh, and say, Walter, says, ah, it's trouble, it's trouble at home <laughs> with that wife of mine, <laughs> whose name I cannot speak. <laughs> and he said, well, he said, I'll give you some advice. I said, what you need to do is uh, you need to go home and, uh, and apologise. <laughs> I say, Yes, but uh, you've not really grasped the situation. <laughs> I'm right. He <laughs> said, well, here's what, what you need to do. You need to go and apologise anyway. And if you're in the wrong, you've apologised. If you're in the right, you've demonstrated humility. And as the leader of your household spiritual well-being, that's very important. So, it's a win-win situation, isn't it? I had to think about this for a while. I have to be honest. This really wasn't the plan that I had when I got to speak to Walter. I said, you are a bloke, Walter. You are meant to be on my side. Um, You see, I was quite hard work in the early days. Um, I said, so you must see that it's Sybil who's wrong. But you know what? I would go back. I'd be in the car, driving back. You know, when you, you, you're doing the speech in your head, well, I'll say this, and then she'll just get, give me a hard time, and then, you know. But the thing was, whenever I went back and apologised, Sybil would say, nah, it was my fault, really. She was always unbelievably humble. And I thought, Walter, you're wiser than you look. <laughs> You know, sometimes it's sacrifice that wins the day. And husbands, I hope you're listening. Wives, I'm not saying that you don't have to apologise first either. I'm just saying husbands, as the spiritual leaders of the household, we know what to do. I think sometimes you know you can think, oh well, that's just you giving in for a quiet life. Now I think sometimes. You know, you have to sit down with someone and resolve some problems. This isn't about glossing over problems and glossing over issues. I think if there are issues, uh, whether it's between disciples or uh, brothers and sisters or a married couple, 
Christianity isn't about glossing over. No. Christianity is about honesty and speaking the truth in love. And if you can't work things out, you get some help. You get some people involved. And it was always a great thing because we get people involved because number one, they weren't emotionally attached like I was or Sybil was. They could look at it objectively. And then they could say, see Roger, you are a turkey. <laughs> I go, yes, you're right, I am. I will learn. Gobble, gobble, gobble. <laughs> but, uh, I, but I think that it's important that we, that we do those things. You know, it talks, you know, people are very keen to speak the truth. The Bible says speak the truth in love. Not speak the truth in, now you're going to get it. So let's always remember that. It, you know, the key to everything God does is love. And if we bear that in mind. Just, what we're going to do though, uh, finally, you know, I talked about, you know, we have, we'll have to make the sacrifice. And I think to, to build the church over this next 12 months, there'll be sacrifices. It might be sacrifices financially, or your time and your efforts and this, that and the other. And it could be challenging. But you know, ultimately the real sacrifice was the sacrifice that Jesus made. And back in verse 10 from the passage that I just read, it reads, He died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. He died on the cross so that we can be built up, so that his church can be built, and so that ultimately, there will be a time in the future we don't need to do any building. It's been built for us. It's, it's waiting. You know, the Bible says there's a room waiting for every one of us. There's a place waiting for everyone. The building's done. All the work's done. We are then... We're just part of God's household in, in heaven with Jesus. But that took Jesus sacrificing. So let's remember as we go into this year to build the church and build up one another and build a great community here that Jesus is the foundation. God's word and Jesus is the cornerstone of any building. And that everything we do we should be thinking this is for Jesus. This is what Jesus would want us to do. So let's pray for the bread and the wine, and then we'll take communion together, and we'll just think about Jesus, what he's done for every one of us, and what we're going to do in 2019 to build up one another and to build his church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we can be your building on earth, Father, as, uh, as your family and your children. Thank you for Jesus, who really demonstrates what real sacrifice is, Father. That he gave everything so that we can be with you for eternity, Lord. We thank you as we take the bread and the wine that represents the, uh, the body and the blood of your Son. Thank you for all that you do for us, Father. Please be with us in 2019 as we move forward. We know it's only a, a date change, but it's always good to have fresh starts. You give us a new beginning every morning, Father. Every day you give us a fresh start and a clean slate. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you for the forgiveness and grace that you show every one of us. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.